here. We are in the second week of our new series called Looking Up. And if you guys haven't um, heard Greg's message last week, it's so worth going back and just listening to. He had so many good nuggets in there that I, I just loved. So I think that you'll enjoy it too if you go back and take a look at it. You know, when we do these message series, we'll usually put out all the topics that are available, and, and we'll put it out to each one of us to see, does something resonate with, with any of us? And so I picked this one on complaining, and as soon as I did, I thought, I know that I'm, I'm going to get something out of it, but I was regretting it over the past weeks as I started to dig in and just say, you know, what is it, God, that you would have me show? Because I really had to look deep inside myself. And the topic of complaining, you know, how many of you guys complain? How many of you actually enjoy complaining? How many of you are lying about the fact that you don't complain or enjoy complaining? <laughs> right? So we all do it, and over the past six months, you may have been a participant, you know, in more of it, or you've heard more of it in your household about complaining with the pandemic, and, you know, you might have heard... Things like, man, there's too many precautions. I hate this. Or there's not enough precautions. Or I hate staying home and working. This is horrible, staying home every day. Or I hate having to go to work every day and, and listen to everybody and be around all these people. You know, maybe you've heard, our house is too small. We need a bigger house. Or our carpet is old and it looks ugly. Or this needs to be fixed. Or that needs to be fixed. Or that needs to be done. Or our internet's too slow. Right? We've, we've got these everywhere. Why aren't there any paper towels in the stores this far along? Why not? But we all do it. In fact, Reader's Digest wrote this article on complaining. And this was complaints that people had written to their travel agents. Thank you, Rich. So these were complaints that people had written to their travel agents after they had traveled. And one lady wrote, on my holiday to India, I was disgusted to find that almost every restaurant served curry. I don't like spicy food at all. Following a trip to a national theme park, one angry woman complained to her travel agent that the sun was so hot that it melted her ice cream. An air traveler voiced her disapproval of all the clouds in the sky, saying that they ruined her children's game of I spy. You know, we, we, we complain about everything, don't we? anything. But here's the deal. It's bad for your brain. Really? Is it? Yes, it is. So, psychological research conducted by Professor Sapolsky at Stanford School of Medicine has shown that when you stay focused on a complaint, several things happen. First, you're allowing and empowering negativity to take its place and to stay in your mind and to take over. When you focus on a complaint, you're instead of resolving problems and creating change, you're complaining, and you can become ineffective and create unnecessary stress. When you focus on a complaint, or even when you listen to somebody complaining, it can have the same impact on you as if you were complaining yourselves. And they found that just 30 minutes of exposure to complaining every day, whether it's hearing it, participating in it, or listening to it on TV, causes your brain to have the same emotional reaction as it would have if you had experienced stress. His studies also have shown that even a few days of stress damages the neurons in your hippocampus. That is the part of your brain that controls your problem-solving and your cognitive functions. And having this stress 
also creates so that your brain won't create any more neurons. And over time, this can result in this hippocampus shrinking. And when it shrinks, you start to lose cognitive things such as memory loss and the ability to adapt to new situations. And it's linked to Alzheimer's disease. Now, if that doesn't make you want to stop complaining, I don't know about you, but I don't have any extra brain cells or neurons to spare. And I can't be giving them away, so I've got to conserve all that I have. But why do we complain? Why do we complain? So I came across this acronym, which I thought accurately described all of the things that I do when I complain. And the acronym is GRIPE. So the G in GRIPE, it stands for we complain because we want to get attention. People have an an innate desire to be acknowledged or to be heard or listened to. So we complain in order to get attention. And the R, we complain to remove responsibility. So people complain about the difficulty of a situation or a task, and we complain so that we can remove ourselves from the responsibility to fix it or to make it any better. The I is inspire envy. We complain, and it's, it's a, basically a, a reverse bragging. We complain in order to elevate ourselves. So we'll say, my boss is so stupid. Did you see what he did? Isn't that dumb? In other words, if it were me, I am smarter than they are, and I would be better. So we complain about other people in order to make ourselves look better. The P, we complain because we don't have the right perspective on things. And the E is we complain as an excuse. We complain in order to excuse laziness or poor performance or the reason that we couldn't live up to a standard or an expectation. I couldn't think of any other thing other than these things, why I complain. I thought they pretty, pretty much summed it all up. And as much as we've heard we want to flatten the curve on the pandemic, my goal today is that, to help us see that we want to flatten the curve on complaining. It's everywhere. So the root of why you complain What's the root of it? The root of it is that we're discontent. We're discontent about something. So I have this mantra that I live by. My, my kids know it. My wife knows it. Whenever something happens in our house and somebody's frustrated, we'll always say, you're frustrated. So why are you frustrated? It's always because there's an unmet expectation. There's something that we were expecting that isn't happening And you can go back to pretty much any time that you're frustrated with something and say, there's an expectation that I'm expecting that's not happening. And there's a cure. The opposite of discontentment would be what? Contentment, right? And how do we get contentment? It comes through gratitude. And that's what I want to say. The cure for your complaining today is rooted in gratitude and having gratitude. So first of all, We're going to cover the scientific part. There's scientific studies that show having gratitude is beneficial for you. So there's a group called Positive Psychology, and they did a study, and they did a report on all the benefits of gratitude scientifically. And they discovered that gratitude releases toxic emotions. Gratitude improves your sleep quality. Gratitude aids in stress regulation. And gratitude reduces anxiety and depression. But more importantly than that, it's biblical. So you might think, I don't really have an issue with complaining. I don't really complain a whole lot. And I would have said the same thing before I started watching myself over the past couple weeks getting ready for this. I was, I was astounded to realize how many little complaints that I have during the day. And it's just been, it's been crazy. So we, we married our daughter 
three years, not three years, three weeks ago, today, actually. And it was an awesome event. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. A lot of work and planning went into to preparing a wedding during COVID. And, um, but it was exhausting. My wife and I kind of teased that we have PTWD for post-traumatic wedding disorder. It's just been, it, it was a crazy period of time. And we had people at our house. We were hosting people for three weeks. Three weeks straight before the wedding and the, during the wedding and afterwards. And, and, and it was crazy. We spent time after the wedding. We went away with some family. And when we came back, we were unpacking, and we went in the kitchen, and, and I started to put the food away, and I was getting the Tupperware out, and I, I was trying to match lids, and I was just getting frustrated. And I'm like, why do we have all these Tupperware containers that the lids don't match on them? And, and I'm putting them on, and I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I hate Tupperware. I, it's, it's like my nemesis. And so they're going, I already put the food in this one, and I can't find a lid for it. Now I've got to put it in this one, and then there's not a size lid that fits. My wife's going, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take care of it. And I have the Holy Spirit in my head going, would you just shut up? Just, just stop. And I couldn't stop my mouth. It just kept going on. It's like, no, this is horrible. I hate this Tupperware stuff. And I'm dealing with it. And she's looking at me like, what are you doing? So I went down to the basement and I got a trash bag. And I came up and I was just going to sweep all that Tupperware right into a trash bag and throw it all away and go to Walmart and buy Tupperware that the lids fit. And she's all, you can't do that. And I'm all, why? Because there are lids in there that go to other things that you don't know what they go to. So what are you doing? And I was just fit to be tied. This complaint turned into something that ruined the rest of the day, and it was on me. And us men, we do that. We just don't shut up. And we just start digging and digging and digging. And the wife's usually right. So later on, I went back and I had to say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, that's on me. But my frustration came out and it wasn't about the Tupperware. I was frustrated about other things that bottled up and I held them. And they just found their outlet through the Tupperware that day. So as we step back and we look at our actions, I, I want to ask you something. How are you? Are you a real, really critical person? Do you find you're criticizing all the time? Are you really short with people? Instead of being kind, or do you find that you're just short with them all the time? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you frustrated? Are you just edgy, that there's this edge about you, no matter where you go, who you deal with, it's like, uh. Are you not appreciative? Are you angry all the time? You know, sometimes we have to look by, behind the curtain and be honest with ourselves, and that was me. I had to look behind the curtain and say, what was it? So, I want to look at a verse today, two verses, and I want to read it and then go through and dissect it. So, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Philippians 4.4. I'm going to read this verse to you. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I love to go back and look at what words mean in the Greek because it just adds a whole new level of meaning to Scripture. So today as we look at this and we start with the word rejoice, that word in the Greek is kairo, and it means to be glad, 
But its root is in the word kairis, which is the word for grace. If you've ever heard the description of grace, which I really like, it's unmerited favor. It's undeserved favor. So what Paul is saying when he writes this, he's saying, rejoice, be glad as you look around and you see all the favor that you've been given that you don't deserve. He says, look around. And he says it again, rejoice, be glad in all the favor that you've been given that you don't deserve. And he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And that word anxious is pronounced marin, marin, <laughs> it's hard, marimnao, marimnao, which means to be troubled with cares or to be pulled apart, to go to pieces. So when we look at things that you and I deal with every day and it causes anxiety, we're pulled in many different directions. We're pulled in many pieces. And a lot of times you feel like your life is just trying to carry this tray and you got a bunch of balls on it. And you're doing fine until something hits you and knocks the ball off. And we're busy picking this ball up, trying to just organize our life and put it on, and another ball falls off. And we end up feeling like we're just pulled in so many directions, you can't keep up with it. Anxiety does that to us. It pulls us apart at the seams in many directions. And he's saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he says, in every situation... And we've read in Romans 8, 28 where it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. There's nothing, no situation that God isn't involved in in some way, form, or fashion. It says in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving is eucharista. And it means thankful to be thankful, but inside that word is that word charis again, grace. To be thankful for God's grace in your life, for that unmerited favor. When we go to him, we have thanks for that. And it says, and the peace of God, that word peace is irene. That word is the exact opposite of the word for anxiety. This word means to put together, to make one, to make whole. So it says that the peace of God will take all those balls, put them into one, and you'll be whole. It's easier to balance one ball of life than all these scattered apart. And it says to be put together as one and whole. It says, in the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In Isaiah 55 it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord makes perfect sense why God can take everything that doesn't make sense to you, being pulled apart, all these balls, and he can make you have peace right smack dab in the middle of it. That's what he does. His ways are not our ways. He can give you that peace and that, that mindset. It says it transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word heart here is cardia, and it means thoughts, passions, and desires. So I rewrote this scripture as to how I would say it if I put all these things as these Greek words are and, and made a new thing out of it. So this is how I wrote that. I said, rejoice. Be glad as you look around and you see the favor that God has given you, even though you don't deserve it. Let that joy cause you to be gentle to everyone, for the Lord is with you. Don't let the cares and the worries of this world pull you apart at the seams. But instead, 
Go to God in prayer in every situation that you find yourself, thanking him for his favor, and let him know your requests. He will give you his peace and take away the anxiety, even when it seems impossible. He will make you whole by protecting and guarding your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your appetites, your affections, your purposes, and your endeavors. But you want to know what? You can't get verse 7, any of that, unless you do verse 6. You can't get the peace of God and all those promises unless we, A, first, we rejoice in the unmerited favor that we have, that we have gratitude for the things that we have. We don't get verse 7 unless we go to him and we give him by prayer and petition with thanksgiving all of our requests. That's the secret. Six is before seven. We don't get it unless we do that. So I want to give you a couple practical steps if we want to stop complaining, some practical steps that we can take. Number one, by the theologian Mark Twain. Mark Twain said this. He said, don't complain and talk about all your problems because 80% of the people don't care. And the other 20% think you deserve them. So, so there you go. You stop complaining. They don't care you deserve it one way or the other. Number two, smile. Smile. It's really hard to complain and to be bitter when there's a smile on your face. After first service, we were talking to Kathy Saller, and Kathy has been talking to her daughters and going through a study with them. And one of the things that they discovered is that and when, you try to, when you try to be bitter or you be fearful, the fear cannot exist with gratitude at the same time. That was profound. I can't be fearful and I can't be anxious when I'm also grateful. Those two don't exist in your brain at the same time. So smile more. Proverbs 15 says this, A glad heart makes a cheerful face. Number three, if I could give you homework this week, this would be your homework if I were a teacher. Create a gratitude journal. Create a gratitude journal. So whether you write it in a book, I took my phone, and you can take an iPhone, for those of you Android users, I don't know if you can do this, but an iPhone, you can say, hey, Siri, create a gratitude list. And she'll create a gratitude list for you. And then during the day, you can just grab your phone and say, hey, Siri, add to my gratitude list, I really appreciate having health as I wake up this morning. Hey, Siri, add to my gratitude list, I'm really thankful that I have people who love me. Hey, Siri, add to my gratitude list, I enjoyed my job today. Hey, Siri, add to my gratitude list, I really appreciate that you healed my mom. Hey, Siri, add to my gratitude list, I love my spouse. Hey, Siri, add to my gratitude list, I'm really glad that conversation with this person went really well today, et cetera, et cetera. And at any time you can go, hey, Siri, read me my gratitude list. And she'll read it to you. I tell you, doing this over the past couple weeks, the more gratitude that I have, the less these other things have meant to me that were anxious and pulling me apart. So that's your homework, if you could. In July 2006, Reverend Will Bowen had a vision of people focusing and talking about things that they desire instead of complaining about things. So he had this idea. He was going to change it. He was going to do a message series on prosperity, but with a focus on gratitude. So he started, he gave these little purple bracelets to people. And he said, I want you to wear this bracelet on your arm. And every time you complain, I want you to take the bracelet and I want you to put it on the other arm. I want you to do that until you can go 21 days without changing the bracelet. To get a focus on not complaining. 
So far, he's given away over 10 million of these purple bracelets to people in over 106 countries. You know, sometimes when we complain, it's just about perspective. It's about perspective. So there's a story of a woman who's complaining to God one day. She said, God, I had the most frustrating day today. My alarm clock didn't go today. I, I woke up late. I was late for work. I'm trying to get to work, and I'm, I'm late. And then I went to lunch, and I had to stand in line. I stood in line. I ordered my sandwich, and then I sat down to eat my sandwich. It was the wrong sandwich, so I had to go back in line and have them make me a new one. And then on the way home, I'm talking to my friend, and I just want to talk to her, and the call keeps dropping over and over again. And it's just been a frustrating day. And God says to her, you know, this morning... There was a drunk driver on the road, the same route that you take to work, and I wanted you to be safe, so I caused your alarm clock not to go off. And then at lunch, when you ordered that sandwich, I saw that the person who made it, they were sick, and the guy wasn't wearing gloves, and he was coughing, and I wanted to keep you healthy, so I created him to make the wrong sandwich. And on the way home, when you were talking to your friend, I knew she was just going to be gossiping and filling you with gossip, and I really didn't want your head filled with that, so I kept cutting your call off. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes our perspective is God working in your circumstances or things maybe not going your way because he's doing something, because he wants you to be a certain way or, or just re- realize where he's working in your life. Perhaps that's what it is. You know, you and I have probably had great times on the mountaintop with God. You've had a night of worship or a time of prayer or sometime when you just felt connected to God. We call them mountaintop experiences, right? In fact, Peter had one. He was up on the mountaintop with Jesus and Moses and Elijah showed up and he's like, this is awesome. We're, I, I'll, I'll get some tents and we'll stay here. Let's stay on the mountaintop. We've had those experiences, but you know what? We were never designed to live on the mountain. Nothing grows on the mountain. The mountain is where we get our vision. The mountain is where we get a perspective. But we got to come down the valley, and we got to work in the valley. That's where things grow. When you and I live Monday through Saturday, that's where it makes a difference. So you have a choice. In the valley where you work and live, you can be a plant that produces fruit, or you can just be a weed. They both grow. They both grow, but one produces fruit and the other's not. Matthew 12, 36, 12, 36 says this, I tell you, On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. That's scary. I speak a lot. But every careless word that I speak, I have to give an account for. It's humbling. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that, and this is the key, so that, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So I want to give you a visual, and you guys may have seen this growing up or in Sunday school, and I just think it's a a great visual for, for us and what we do with our thoughts. All right? So we start with the clean slate. And then we start thinking about things. And we start concentrating on things. And maybe you're anxious today 
about your finances. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't know how this works out. My 401k is a 101k right now, and, and it's just not looking good. I don't even know how I'm going to make rent next month. I don't get how I'm going to do that. Maybe it's your job. Maybe your boss is just really getting at you, and you're just saying, I'm worried about my job. Maybe COVID has you worried about it. Maybe COVID has you worried, am I going to get sick? Is my family going to get sick? Is my mom going to survive? My dad going to survive? We're anxious about it. You know, maybe it's trouble with one of your kids. Maybe your kids is at the age they're just giving you a challenge. Don't point to them right now. Maybe they're just giving you a challenge and you're just saying, I don't know how to do this. Maybe you're worried about your parents and you're anxious about your parents and you're taking care of aging parents and it's exhausting and you just don't know how can I go forward. You know, maybe it's murder hornets. I don't know what it is that's got you worried, what it is that's pulling you apart at the seams. But the more that we think about and get anxious and be pulled apart, the world looks at us and says, you're not any different than I am. You're exactly the same. I don't, I don't see a difference from you. You're a Christian. What gives? And this is where it becomes important for us to make a decision. What am I going to do about that? In Scripture, in Philippians 4, 8 through 9, it gives us the solution. It says, if anything is true, I want you to think about that. If anything is honorable, I want you to think about that. If anything is right, I want you to think about that. If anything is pure, think about that. A lot of times we'll do this and then we stop. Then we just fall back into our old patterns of behavior and we just do what we've always done. And the secret is, don't stop. Don't stop. He says, if anything's lovely, think about that. If anything is commendable, think about that. If anything is excellent, think about that. If anything's worthy of praise, think about that. He says, if you'll do these things that I've told you and you'll put them into practice... The God of peace will be with you. This is what the world wants to see. This is what God wants you and I to be. He wants you and I to be the lighthouse out there that people look to and say, there's something different about you, and I want it. He wants us to be the foghorn in the fog. We're the ones that show the way back to Jesus. That's what he wants for you and for me. And you have to make a decision What do you do? What do you do? You know, God wants to bring us to another level with him. He wants you to be there and have a deeper, deeper relationship with him. But there's only three choices that are available. One, you can say, I don't want it. I'm comfortable where I am. There's not a lot God can do with that. Or you can be in category B. You can say, I want it, and I want a deeper relationship with God, but I don't really want to change. He'll take you through situations and circumstances and he'll put them in your life. He'll allow them in your life to get you to open your eyes to get you to that point. Or C, you can say, I want it and I'm going to change. And he says, the God of peace will be with you to do it. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? As we look at this and we say, I want to be that person that people look at and say, I want what you have. Guys, in this world today, We need to be that person. 
I don't care if it's Trump out there. I don't care if it's Biden. I don't care if it's Black Lives Matter and all the chaos that we see. We need to watch what we put in. And the God of peace is with us to do that. So would you stand with me as we, as we close? So can I challenge you today? You're going to walk out of here in about three minutes. And you're going to have the rest of your Sunday. And tomorrow's going to be a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Will you be the glass that people don't see as any different? Or will you make a stand today and draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? No, God, I'm going to be that person that other people look at and say, I want what you have. Will that be you today? Could you do that? Could we look out on the horizon and say, we say, woe is me, all this complaining. But you know what? Look and say, how much favor have you been given by God that you didn't deserve? The mere fact that we can go to the creator of the universe and have a relationship with him because he paid the ultimate price by giving his son. I can't even compare that favor with anything out there. There's so much to be grateful for. There's so much to have gratitude for. As worse, as bad as your circumstance can be, there's so much to have gratitude for. So Father God, as we, as we close today and as we look at our lives and we look at how we think, how we act, Lord, What gets the best of us during the week? I pray, God, during this week that you would just prick our conscience when we go off track. God, help us have an awareness of all the grace that you give us every day during the hours and the minutes of the day when you give us favor that we don't deserve, Lord. We can rejoice in that. We can be glad in that. And all else pales in comparison to the grace that you give us, Lord. I pray that you would give us the peace that transcends all understanding. God, as we bring our cares to you, as we thank you and lift up our prayers and our petitions, Lord, that we could go through all this crazy time and not have to worry about all the things because we have the peace from you that transcends our understanding. God, I pray that you would also guard our hearts and guard our minds. The things that we have as affections and It just desires our passions, Lord, all these things that we want, Lord, and just guard our hearts and our minds. I love that you can give us your word and you give us a promise and we can stand on it. So as we go out this week, Lord, maybe draw a line in the sand today and say we're going to give it our best effort and we look forward to you joining us, Lord, to help it change, to help become that light that you want us to be, Lord, to the dark, to be those pure and blameless children of God. We give you thanks, God. We give you praise for all of your grace. And in your most holy name we pray, amen. So have a great day. And if you don't mind on the way out, if you want to just drop your offering in the boxes, that would be appreciated. Thanks and enjoy this day.